0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. How's that? Yeah, nice. Nice, nice. Please check my lapis lazuli. What? L- lapis?
1: Lapis lazuli? Lapis yeah, I me. don't know.
0: I never asked Emily Rodder how to pronounce that one. That's a Del Toro quest reference, even though I was more of a Ron of Rin fan growing up.
2: Yeah, that's right. Welcome back to OzPol Snackpot, everybody. Uh, we thought we might just try something a little different. You know those podcasts, Zach, where... Um, you know, that just kind of like fades in after the intro music, and they're just already talking about something. It feels like you know, supernatural. Yeah, you just like yeah. walked in, not forced like those no. food puns that we've been making for the last three years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've never heard a podcast like that. So. No,
2: okay, cool. Yeah, well, hey everyone, welcome back to Us Paul Snack the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian news politics. And Crispy Memes, and we're also the official podcast of the OzPol shitposting Facebook group, so if you want more memes and OzPol content, you can head on over there. Answer the questions, or we won't let you into the group. Is That's that all right. of our introductory material? Is that all of our catchphrases that I've done there?
0: I think you, you, you hit most of them on the head. I mean, you could say your name if you felt like it. Eh. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: well... Hey, everyone, I'm, I'm Noon, and with me, as always, is my <laughs> co-host, Zach.
0: Welcome. Well, this is episode 150 of Oz Snack SnackPod, and as you can tell, we've had three years of getting extremely professional, smooth, proficient at podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a well, is...
2: podcasting machine, as you so often say.
0: That's right. Um, we also have a bit of news. Uh, this is episode 150. We've been doing this show for three years, and we've come to the conclusion that it's about time to wrap it up. Uh, at least in its current form as a weekly news and politics podcast. So next week is going to be the last proper like weekly Ospol Snackpot episode. Uh, Beyond that, we've got some other plans and ideas, but Snackpot, as you know, it is coming to an end as of next week. So we're we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. We just want to give you a heads up this week because...
2: We're going to be doing like a like end of the show episode or whatever we want it to be a bit uh special if and you know it's going to be the last chance for you to get on the show so you know if you've thought about sending a potluck if you've thought about you've had an angry meme rant that you've been like it's kind of silly i don't think i'll send it into snack pod people don't <laughs> need to hear that S- send it send it in it would it, be nice contact at com.
0: yeah Try to keep it short, but please send them in. We want to hear from you. This is your last opportunity. If there's anything you've ever wanted to put on Ospol Snackpod,
2: now is the time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey and beer.
0: Yeah, just like in the Cheers theme song. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we've all, we're also going to do for our patrons, who we love and appreciate so very much, we do one final bonus episode. Where we are going to take bonus episode suggestions and we are going to do all of them. Every single uh, one. Every single one. We're going to cram them all into one episode. So we want to get as many suggestions as possible. So if you're a patron, hit us up Doesn't on the matter Discord. If it's
2: research intensive, I know we've shied away from that before. If it's really <laughs> personal, just like, you know, lay them on us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it done.
0: Please do. Uh, yeah. So. Stick around for the rest of this episode for classic uh, news, views, and memes, and, uh, and all that other shit in between, and next week we'll catch you for episode 151, Snack Pod.
2: Nice, it's the Pokemon number.
0: Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> it's the Australian Parliament number, but, you know, I mean, somewhere... I mean, I think that, mine's that's... more
2: thematically relevant, but... I, I think
0: you're probably right. We sit somewhere right in the middle of those that's two true. Yeah. Uh, polls, yeah. Anyway, let's dive into some news. I thought it might be nice to start off with a bit of a good news story this week.
2: Is it actually, is it actually good news?
0: Yeah, yeah, nice. it is. I guess cool. there's, you know, there's like, it's not, it's not that there's bad news at the end of it, there's, there's uncertainty, but we'll, we'll get into it. So this is a story about uh, an eviction being blocked, which is great. Evictions are terrible, and just like our friend uh, David Kelly said on our Stackpod family potluck episode. Mm-hmm. They should be abolished. They shouldn't be a thing that happens. Let people live in their homes and don't kick them out of it. Seems like a thing that...
2: It's a fairly it's actually a proposal. Yeah,
0: a pretty basic request. Anyway, it was a very cool win for um, a coalition of activists who were fighting against the eviction of a tenant in Queensland. This tenant's name is David... Uh, he's a disability pensioner who the Queensland government is uh, trying to evict from his public housing property. Apparently, the reason is the place is a bit of a mess. I, you know, that's about all the information I have on that. Sure. Um, I believe this is in Brisbane. Correct me if I'm wrong, listener. Um, so David joined the Southeast Queensland Union of Renters, which has quite a good little acronym, SECURE. Which is That is good. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, and I haven't heard of them before because I'm a Victorian supremacist, but I'm guessing that they're quite similar to uh, the renters and housing union that we have down here. Um, so David joined uh, Secure and they set up like an email writing campaign, which um, managed to successfully secure him kind of uh, uh, a little bit longer in the property, but eventually an eviction notice was issued for Friday last week at time mm-hmm. of recording. But when the cops showed up, there were almost 100 activists there ready to stop the eviction. So members from Secure, alongside members from the Brisbane Renters Association, uh, the electrician, the Electrical Trades Union, the Australian uh, Manufacturers Workers Union, RAFWU, who are our you know, awesome. staunch comrades, and also several Greens politicians. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair that since I spent last week complaining about the Victorian Greens big and long-standing transphobia problems. I acknowledge the good work being done by uh, their colleagues up in Queensland, councillor um, Jonas- Jonathan Shree actually locked on to the front door, which like, nice. Got to have respect for a politician. He'll still get out there on the front line. Yep. So the eviction was successfully stopped and David won a temporary reprieve in court while that eviction was being blocked. Then a new eviction time was set for the following Monday. And then over the weekend, Union members helped David get his place like cleaned up. Then they blocked the eviction again on That's Monday sick. afternoon. Holy shit! Yeah, apparently the cops just kind of showed up and were like, "Oh, fuck." Seriously, you still care about this guy? <laughs> yeah, and just went home. And now that the property has been kind of uh, cleaned up with you know this kind of community support, uh, the idea is that there's going to be much less uh, justification for the Queensland government to kick David out of his public housing mm-hmm. property. So that case is now going to go to QCAT, Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal. So there's still a degree of uncertainty about it, but I still think this is a fucking huge win. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
2: just it, like, as you said, an uh, incredible display of solidarity and like cross union exactly support, broad like fronts or whatever. Yeah. Sick.
0: And, yeah. And like fighting against something that uh, I think is sort of taken as immutable. Um, you know, evictions are just kind of like a part of life. They're a part of renting. And we can fight back against that, you know, with community power. Uh, and so it's very, very cool to see. Um, and I just want to send, yeah, you know, big congrats to everybody who participated in that. And I, I really hope that David gets to stay in his place mm-hmm. because people should just be allowed to live in their house, Yeah, is the official Auspol snack SnackPod position on housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now it's time for... So Elections generally not that fun.
3: There's too much politics going on at the moment. Don't
2: blame me. I voted for Kodos.
3: Go! Whip!
2: <laughs> That's a <laughs> <Still> reference <guessing. laughs> to your eight French class, even though I was a bigger fan of year seven German <laughs> growing up. Um, yeah, so... Uh,
0: Nein, no, das ist meine Hamburger. Correct. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um the upper house results for the recent federal election are finalized. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> There's too much politics going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so remember, these are half-Senate elections. So of the 76 seats in the upper house, 40 were up for grabs. That's six per state plus two per territory minus one. That's three Carry quick the two. Yeah. Yeah. So of that 40, Labour retained exactly the 15 that they held going in for a total of 26 seats in the upper house. Coalition won 15, down from 19 of this half for a total of 32. And Greens won six, which is three more than the three that they held for a total of 12. Quick maths, guys. Just keep <laughs> up, you know, just spitting some facts at you. What you already know, you've been checking ABC News every day. You don't need me to tell you.
0: That's the- true. But so generally speaking, we're talking about like a very strong crossbench in the Senate and a strong Greens block. Correct. Yep.
2: So the Labour Party is going to need the Greens and one other person to pass legislation without the Greens. They basically need the Liberals. Um, Mm, I wonder who
0: they'll choose. Forward
2: to that. Yeah. Um, But the real juicy business is, well, this one's not so juicy, but Pauline Hanson was reelected. Sad. We kind of talked about that on a previous episode. Yes. Jackie Lambie's party and Clive Palmer's party, each won one senator. Uh, so, okay. Lambie's new senator is Tammy Tyrrell, not to be confused with Tammy Terrell who sang Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Unfortunately-
0: okay. but Thanks for clarifying that.
2: It's going to get clearer, because <laughs> Tammy Tyrrell's partner's name is Timmy. So that's Tammy and Timmy Terrell, two titillating Tasmanians soon to succeed to the Senate, where silly sausages serve soliloquies, and not Tammy Terrell, a terrifically talented titan of the top tens who sang several sweet and sexy songs in the '60s. So, hopefully, that clears it all up for you, there, Zach.
0: Now that we've now that we've like cancelled the podcast, Noon's just like he can't dump me. I can do all the fucking alliteration. (laughs) I can go full cherry blossom. So just getting silly. I've got a whole, you know. Prepare for the gonna... for the full length, like weird alb parodies. They're coming.
2: <laughs> so this person, Temmy Tyrrell, if I've got that right, <laughs> is basically real. just some guy. <laughs> Um, she's been one of Jackie's staffers for years and years. Um, she got apparently a temp job in the office and then became a permanent staffer, and now she's a, a senator. Um, she definitely has the on-brand Jackie Lambie energy, you know, like loud and a bit silly, but also sharp and terrifying in a mum kind of way. Um, <laughs> okay, you've and...
0: got quite a <laughs> specific uh, feelings about Jackie Lambie. I'm laughing. and and Tammy Tyrrell.
2: Yeah, to a lesser extent, Tammy Tyrrell. um, and her partner Timmy works in aid. Correct, works in aged care, so that's a priority of hers. Something she's going to look out for, and yeah, she seems fine. Like Jackie, not super progressive, but she's not like dripping pickle juice everywhere she goes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, she seems like a real person, which seems like a huge improvement, even if she's not like in full alignment with me on all policy positions. And my prediction is they're not going to splinter because they're actually friends and have worked together for like six years or something. So there you go. But as Victorians, we have to put up our hands and say, yep, we fucked up. Ooh. We elected a Clive Palmer United Australia party candidate. You fucked up. Thank you.
0: Well old machine, noon. Well <laughs> old machine.
2: It's lucky after three years it's all paying off. You know, this is the time to just really plow on. Um so th- this is disappointing because now Clive can kind of pretend that his spending like a hundred million dollars was worth it. Which obviously it wasn't. But it's he still got fucking something. annoying though. He'll it's he'll annoying. say
0: that. And watch the watch the narrative shift. <laughs> like to become more and more Clive Palmer favoring as time goes on
2: we'll see uh in much the same way that Lambie's new senator is quite lamby-esque the new palmer senator one ralph babbitt aka deej is exactly who you would assume is is what he was like based on being a uap candidate okay,
0: um, so, sorry where does deej come from
2: it just do
0: okay all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of him more as Ralph Babbitt because I think that's a, that is kind of like the platonic ideal UAP candidate name.
2: Yeah. And Pedestrian asked Does he not look like a bot made image depicting key terms sentient, smiling, and thumb? Which I do think <laughs> is a good description of him, but I did a little bit of empirical research, popped <laughs> sentient, smiling, thumb into Dally, and actually he looks nothing like the images that come up there if you want to. Yeah. Well, it's still learning. It'll, it'll get there yeah uh he's sort of like um uh is it nanette from nanette um who looks like a thumb
0: oh right uh it's been so long since i've watched that show but
2: yeah all of our listeners are nodding in furious agreement with. Them. but yeah so he he's the perfect candidate for the party of craig kelly will be the next prime minister Mm. That's the energy that he's bringing mm. into the parliament. He's an anti vaxxer. He's in favor of small government, quote unquote. He's a former real estate agent. He was banned from Twitter until June 22nd, i.e., after it seemed like maybe he was going to get into parliament. Uh-huh. uh Still banned from Facebook, uh, though there is a Deej Babbitt account around. um And his Twitter bio says more family values, less identity politics. And he uses hashtags like hashtag great day, hashtag come together, hashtag financial servitude. And Zach, <laughs> could you just like read this little, uh, I guess it's an Insta post? No, 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 it's a tweet. It's a tweet from Senator Babbitt okay, um, sure. celebrating his election.
0: Sometimes I drink champagne, but I never drink the Kool Aid. We must reduce the size and power of not only the government, but the bureaucracy which surrounds it. I believe in limited government and free market principles, hashtag Kool-Aid, hashtag Freethinker, hashtag no cults here, hashtag big government sucks. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. So, and there's yeah. a, a... Look, based on the name sent Ralph Babbitt and knowing <laughs> what I know about Ralph Babbitt, he does look kind of younger than i <laughs> anticipated. Yes, that's
2: right. He's like a 50 year younger Craig Kelly.
0: He does kind of look like yeah, if you turn the clock back on Craig Kelly. No, oh, totally. S-
2: certain thumb vibes. Yeah. So my prediction is he leaves the United Australia Party within 12 months, but Okay, I'll take you will, up on that. We will see. Yeah.
0: It, either way, we should do a 1 year check-in episode on Ralph Babbitt show. Me, I'm pretty sure I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so one small upside
2: of Ralph Babbitt getting in is that the Liberal candidate, Greg, Greg Mirabella, who's the husband of former recurrent Liberal clown Sophie Mirabella, didn't get in, which is quite nice. So, you know, good Oh,
0: Recurrent clown, that's
1: good.
2: Thanks. There Take you go, you that's you the get uh, it. election update.
0: Boy, Victoria. I mean, I guess, like, that might be the single most explicit... Expression of our enormous fucking anti-lockdown movement down here. Yeah, like we really were the centre of the movement, and um, I guess now we have this guy paying off
2: dividends.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how the anti-lockdown crowd is uh, responding to it. We'll have to ask Tom.
2: (laughs) We'll get back to you on that in uh, months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for what's up next. Fashy Australia. Uh, I have an even more fascist story later on in the episode um, because, you know, Australia. Uh, but this one is also pretty fashy. I just wanted to talk about Labour basically uh, promising to continue to fuck over unemployed people. Perfect. Yeah, it needs to be mentioned. So, two things. am going to start off by talking about this new point system that's coming Mm -hmm. in for JobKeeper. Uh, So this is a new mutual obligation system, which was developed under the liberals. And they kind of like signed it off like hurriedly, like only a couple of weeks or maybe even one week before the election, like got it in. So the idea is this is going to replace the current uh, 20 job applications a month requirement. So -hmm. instead of that, You'll do one of a number of approved activities off a list and get points for each activity, and then you have to get a hundred points per month to prove yourself worthy or human enough to get your welfare payment, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, so some of the things you could do are, for example, study full time, 20 points a month. Work for the doll. Wait, sorry. Yes. 20 points a month. <laughs> or <Wait>. yes. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> yep. Uh, oh no! Sorry. So you need a hundred points. My my bad. I think that's actually it's. Uh, I've written twenty points a month here. It's twenty points a week. So you can okay. study full time and get eighty points a month.
2: Still not enough. It's still to not enough points. Or work for the yeah. doll. Ditto. Not quite. Not human. quite enough.
0: Yeah. Or you could apply for a single job, which is worth five points. Now. Noon, quick maths. What's mm-hmm. 100 points divided by 5?
2: Oh, it's somewhere between 1 and 17.
0: Mm-hmm. So big improvement on the <laughs> apply for 20 job system that this yeah, is yeah, yeah. You know, supposed to uh, replace. Yeah, so a 10 with, with this is automated compliance checks. All of right. this is going to be like, you know, you enter your points into a system and then the computer is like, "You didn't do enough points. I'm going to automatically send you out a notice that you didn't do enough points, and then at some point, cut off your payment automatically." Um, which, as we know, works really, really well. Uh, to be fair, it's like one of the parts of this that Labor have been like, "We prop, like, we don't like that," but they haven't said that they're so going to get not rid, gonna rid of it. Do it. Yeah, so, yeah. So obviously, welfare advocates like the. Australian Unemployed Workers Union, have told Labor not to bring in the new system because, I mean, mm-hmm. they believe in abolishing mutual obligations because sure. they should be abolished. They're horrible and punitive. But uh, the new employment minister, Tony Burke, says, quote, it's too late um, okay. <laughs> to, not, to not bring this new system in. Okay. Uh, he really looks like a wiggle who became a politician, Tony Spending Burke. Like, yeah. Um. I'm not <laughs> sure I agree. Yeah, I, I think that, that's
2: his vibe. No. Uh, I'm going to say hardware shop employee or shitty manager at a shoe store.
0: Yeah, I think all of those people could have previously been in the wiggles as well. It's the yeah. hairstyle and his kind of rubbery face. Anyway, it's a
2: little rubbery. Yeah. Here's a
0: quote from Tony Burke. We want to make sure, and I'll be changing it over the course of the next week, to make sure that we can have a system that's designed to get people into work, rather than some media stunt to punish people. So, like, you know, that's the line that they're running on it. He also said that raising
2: the... Doesn't that sort of contradict that it's too late? He's like, it's too late. I'm gonna do it in a week. I'm gonna fix it. It's too late. It's already locked in. Basically what he's saying
0: is the points have to happen, but we're gonna try to make it less bad. Gotcha my analysis on that is you'll have to wait and see. Hope you are pleasantly surprised. Um, he also yeah. said that raising job seeker wasn't his department. So go ask someone else about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, elsewhere in, uh, the labor government, they're not letting those pesky welfare cheats get away with it anymore. Oh, good. Um, yeah.
2: I was worried about my taxpayer dollars getting wasted.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really what keeps me up at night. Uh, there was a joint press release from the social services minister Amanda Rishworth um, and also Bill Shorten, who we've been sort of mildly praising for his advocacy around the NDIS. You don't have
2: to sink yourself with my ship.
0: Oh, can it? It's want, just you, me that's you been you praising that? Bill Shorten. No, I've definitely agreed with you, or yeah, at least cool. didn't well, disagree. Right, um, well, what what cool thing has he done now? <laughs> uh, well, it's time. You know, we we. we Made the mistake of mildly praising uh, a Labour politician, so now for our sins wrong. we have to put the boot into him. He's yeah. also he's, he's the minister for the NDAs, but he's also the minister for government services, mm-hmm. um, which I believe is how why he's co-signing on, on this uh, press release. Anyway, this press release is called "Welfare Payment Accuracy Slips Under Coalition." Here's some quotes. The Albanese Labour government today revealed that welfare payment accuracy has dropped due to the coalition's mismanagement of the welfare system, with jobseeker accuracy dropping from 93 to 83% in two years. The coalition failed to invest in the welfare system, meaning that 17% of jobseeker payments being made have been incorrect, Minister Rishworth said. And then I've got a quote here from uh, Bill Shorten on the same press release. The former government, the architects of the robo-debt scheme, cut staff in our key service delivery agencies, which which has led to mistakes like this being made. It has also meant that the agency has been unable to undertake compliance activities, meaning welfare debts have remained unchecked for years. We have a responsibility to take steps to recover debts owing, and therefore efforts to recover existing debts will need to recommence. Well, good. Yeah. So...
2: It's annoying because there are things in there that are good like saying that well he didn't say that he would hire more stuff he implied <laughs> that they didn't have enough stuff
0: There may have been a line somewhere in the press release about press release about putting more staff on and the you know sure but, coalition government cut people from service delivery agencies that's bad but people not having get not getting fucking debt collectors sent to their house
2: Start collecting this debt again,
0: it's... no, and just I don't know. It's kind right. of incredible to me that he invokes robo debt in one breath, right. and then in the next is like, "Oh, but we're gonna get that money back, though. We're just gonna send a real human, you know, like with a baseball bat or whatever." Like, bro, you know. I know you did some advocacy around robo debt, but also I know many of the people involved in the class action that he like helped sort of put together in response to that feel like they were basically shafted. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, may need to walk back our shortened apologism (laughs) a little bit. Um, Yeah, and all of this is to say, you know, uh, grinding the poor and unemployed into the dirt is a core function of capitalism, and the Labour Party are enthusiastically getting on with the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's bad. Give people what they need to live. Um,
1: just, Just let them have it. We can do it.
2: Agreed. All right. Thanks for that, Zach. Thanks for that uplifting uh, story. Oh, you're, you're welcome.
0: Yeah. Let me be the wing beneath your wings, Nan. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh Next up, we've got our First Nations story, which is about seven sacred objects that have been returned to Walpere land and Walpere people from an American university. And I haven't seen any information about what the objects actually are, but they'll go back to Yuendamu, where there'll be a ceremony to mark their return. So the transfer was organized by the Australian Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, IETSIS, we've talked about and tried to pronounce the acronym of before. The <laughs> yep. objects were from one of the biggest collections of First Nations art and artifacts in the world, which is the Kluger Ruhr Aboriginal Art Collection in the University of Virginia, which has about 2,200 objects, wow. quote, in a variety of media, including bark and acrylic paintings, sculpture, photography, prints, and artifacts.
0: That's too much. Give them back.
2: Yeah, and appropriately enough, the Clougarua Aboriginal Art Collection is housed in the same in a, a building called Pantops Farm, which was owned by Thomas Jefferson and was probably a slave plantation, <laughs> though I couldn't easily confirm that.
0: The I mean, th- you know, that's still slave money, <laughs> even if it
2: wasn't specifically slaves. It's also it's in Virginia, so like. Uh, Somewhere on the high ninety percent chance that yeah. Boy. Um, you want to have a guess at what the other thing housed in the same building is?
0: Honestly, noon. No, <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I'll just tell you then. <laughs>
2: okay, it's the Thomas Jefferson Center for the Protection of Free Expression, which supports quote free amendment, i.e., free speech litigants, congressional testimony, educational programs, artistic exhibitions, and prizes. So they're, like, yeah, I wonder if there's, like, fistfights at the cafe in the building at the Pentops Farm of, like, the, like, indigenous art curators who, I'm like, say- for all that they're, like, clearly part of a horrible colonial violence, also clearly, like, have deep interest and respect for the culture. Not enough to give most of the artifacts back, but, like, I don't know. I feel like they, they're Democrat voters, and the people in the free expression... Wing Republican voters. That's that's my feeling.
0: But this sounds like uh, the world's worst sitcom in the making.
2: <laughs> the original odd couple, but it's yeah. university faculties. It could be a-
0: called uh, combination free speech center and museum of stolen artifacts. <laughs> right there on Jamaica
2: Avenue. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah. As you kind of said, Zach. Like obviously, it's amazing that these seven. Uh, objects are being returned and presumably they're particularly sensitive or important objects because mm. of lack of discussion around them and because they're the ones that were like prioritised in negotiations 7 out of 2200 is not very much at all and all of those objects should be returned to the country and communities that they came from um, so two Walpri men Jeffrey Jagamara Matthews and Warren pern William Japanunga release a statement um, on behalf of the Warpree people, which said, All objects overseas, if they belong to Warpree, they need to come back to our country where they come from. We're glad to see this material come back to Australia from America, but we need more help for all our material to come back. Mm. Their final resting place is on country. We're opening the gates for other tribes as well to help people in other places get their things back. Yeah, so. Um, I couldn't actually find any information on the Kluge website about this exchange. Mm. Um, they didn't have any statements about it or anything that I could say. Um, yeah. It, it's not clear like how many of the remaining objects are Walpri. Like if this is all of the Walpri objects that were there, I would guess probably not just because they're like quite a well-represented tribe mm. in Western like anthropology or whatever. Um, but, yeah, obviously, there are, like, hundreds of nations around so-called Australia, and historically, there are probably a lot of others that, like, weren't recorded by, like, modern historians or whatever. Sure. And all of those artifacts should go back to the countries that they're from and the, the people who created them. That said, a lot of modern Indigenous artists, like, work with Kluger Rua. Like, they said, as they said, there's, like, photographs and, like, film and stuff. Uh, prints. Um, that are like housed there, and they do exhibits of like indigenous artists now and so on. So like, obviously, if people want their work there, that's a different situation. But like the yeah, vast majority of this collection of objects have been stolen as part of colonial pillage and should be returned.
0: Mm, yeah, totally. Uh, but bit of good news about some of it coming home for sure.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Thanks for that, Noon. Now it's time for.
4: Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things
0: that start with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? I know someone who cares about other things that start with C. For example, climate change. That person is Sam, who has been sending in uh, climate themed potlucks for the past few episodes and doing an absolutely amazing job. Uh, And we've got one more from them this week, so why don't we take a listen?
4: Hey everyone, it's me, Sam, back again with some more thoughts about climate policy. This week, I'm going to talk about the safeguard mechanism. Now, I feel like I should pause for a sec here and just explain why I'm doing these potlucks and why I think they're worth using up precious minutes of your listening time. There are two reasons. First, I've recently observed that I know lots of very switched on, very socially conscious, clever people who know about loads of social issues, but know sweet fuck all about climate change and climate policy. This is through no fault of their own. Climate change is scary and overwhelming. Climate science and policy are really complicated and often poorly explained. The Australian media is, with a few tiny exceptions, really quite bad at climate reporting. And politicians and companies have done their level best to keep the public in the dark about the whole thing. Including the ways in which a changing climate will impact on each and every one of us no matter who we are or where we live This is very bad because and this takes me to the second reason for these potlucks The climate wars are not over. They've just moved on to a new battleground and that battleground is greenwashing Now this of course is not a new issue But now that most people are on board with the fact that climate change is a problem greenwashing is moving into new territory The fiddly ins and outs of climate policy, the technicalities of the energy transition, the kind of next layer down of more detailed, more complex things that they can use to keep pulling the wool over people's eyes. It is absolutely vital, in my opinion, that everyone is as educated as possible, as quickly as possible about climate change and climate policy so that we can hold the bastards to account. This is even more important now that we have a federal government and a bunch of independent MPs all elected on the promise of tackling climate change. They simply cannot be permitted to get into power on the back of this promise and then wriggle their way out of their goddamn responsibility to protect the ecosystems, livelihoods, and cultures of this country. Okay, so that's why I'm doing these. Hopefully you agree with my reasoning. So, the safeguard mechanism. The mechanism is part of the Emissions Reduction Fund, which is, tragically, the centrepiece of Australia's efforts to reduce corporate greenhouse gas emissions. The ERF is all about companies buying and selling Australian carbon credit units, i.e. offset credits, and we all know how I feel about offsets. Companies can register with the ERF and say, oh hey, I'm going to do X activity and I think it's going to result in Y tonnes of CO2 not being emitted to the atmosphere. The activity has to be one of the recognized project types under the ERF in order for the company to earn carbon credits for doing it. The company can then sell their carbon credits to the government or they can sell them on the voluntary market to other companies wanting to offset their own pollution. Now the ERF and the safeguard mechanism get a little bit confusing here and I have to admit that I don't fully understand the logic of how it's meant to work myself Possibly because I'm not a depraved capitalist blinkered by blind faith in classical economic theory and the will of the market or whatever. Anyway, the clean energy regulator says that the safeguard mechanism exists to ensure that any emissions reductions that happen as a result of companies generating ACCUs, quote, are not displaced significantly by a rise in emissions elsewhere in the economy. The question I have is this. Aren't those reductions already displaced by the fact that they're used by other companies to offset their emissions? A company creates a thousand ACCUs by planting trees. Another company buys those ACCUs to offset emissions from employee vehicles. The initial emissions reduction is already displaced. If you know the answer to this question, please send in a potluck next week because I have searched long and hard for an answer and have not been able to find a credible explanation. And now, speaking of completely nonsensical climate policy, let's get to the safeguard mechanism itself. This is one of those things, of which there are many in Australian climate policy, where the first time you hear about it, you're like, hang on, surely not. That obviously won't work at all. How did anyone get away with seriously suggesting this is a plan, let alone implementing it and letting it run for 10 years? And then you read about it four more times and you're like, oh, okay, cool, we're fucked. Anyway, the safeguard mechanism is a rule that applies to about 215 particularly large emitters that release more than 100,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent per year, together accounting for close to a third of Australia's total emissions. The mechanism says, there will be emissions limits set for these large emitters, and if they go over these limits, the companies have to buy carbon credits to offset the excess emissions. The reasons why this is a nonsensical and deeply broken policy are multiple. First, emissions limits are calculated by reference to the production output of the company. If production grows, the limit on their permitted emissions also grows. This is extremely problematic when you consider that loads of the emitters covered by the mechanism are things like coal mines, which our climate policy should be phasing the fuck out, not gently ushering into continued existence. Second, emitters can negotiate higher limits seemingly just by saying, oh please, clean energy regulator, I just really want to extract more gas right now because it's just making so much money with this conveniently lucrative war that's happening in Europe. Please, can I have a higher limit? Third, as a result of the first two issues, the limits have been consistently adjusted upwards over time with the result that emitters covered by the mechanism have actually increased their overall emissions by 7% since the mechanism was implemented. Fourth, even if limits weren't able to be changed basically at will by the companies, they're calculated against a business-as-usual scenario, so as long as companies' emissions don't increase, they're fine, which is obviously problematic as we need to be urgently reducing emissions, not just stopping them from increasing. The final big problem with the safeguard mechanism is to do with its reliance on carbon credits. If companies go over their limit, they can, indeed they are required to, buy carbon credit units to balance out this excess. So there are two sub-issues here. First, as we know, carbon credits are often quite bullshit. So very real questions there about how the safeguard mechanism would ever achieve its pathetic aim of maintaining business usual emissions levels, even if it worked as it's meant to. I should flag at this point that when I say carbon credits are bullshit, there are definitely some cool projects out there doing things that actually do reduce emissions. A really great example are indigenous fire management programs reducing the intensity and therefore the emissions of seasonal bushfires. It's more the fact that overall, offsets don't by themselves result in net reductions of emissions. And as the CEO of one of those indigenous fire management organizations said in recent testimony to a Senate inquiry, there are nowhere near enough offsets generated through high-integrity programs like hers to make up for the massive emissions resulting from fossil fuels. Second sub-issue is that the ability of companies to just buy offsets if they go over the limit directly contradicts the fundamental principle of offsets that I talked about last week, which is that they're supposed to be a last resort after the company has done absolutely everything it can to actually reduce its own emissions. Now, there are... Virtually no obligations under any state or territory or commonwealth law in Australia that directly require companies to actually reduce their emissions. Virtually none. So far from being a last resort, carbon credits are actually pretty much the first and only tool companies are required to use to deal with emissions under Australian regulation. What the fuck, people? Now, you may recall that one of Labour's election promises was to do with the safeguard mechanism. Labour's plan, suggested by the Business Council of Australia, so you just know it's going to have the people's best interests at heart, is to change the mechanism so that emission limits are gradually lowered over time, rather than just tracking company production levels and rising of production and therefore pollution increases. This is definitely good, but the policy doesn't do anything about the carbon credits issue. It doesn't seek to capture more polluters in the scope of the mechanism, And it is possible that companies will still be able to negotiate increases to their limit. In my opinion, what should really happen is that the whole ERF and safeguard mechanism get torn to pieces, we stop giving public money to giant companies to dabble in bullshit offsets, and we set a price on carbon and hard, non-negotiable, facility-specific emissions reduction pathways. But this is why I'm an activist and not a political staffer. That's it for me. Good luck out there.
2: Hell yeah, Sam. Thanks. That was great Uh, and hilarious in a bleak sort of way. Um, It also reminds me, a friend of mine, a friend confidant, member of our inner sanctum, Rory, was messaging me the other night about um, carbon credits and offsets and he's reading a book at the moment about carbon credits and offsets. And basically, (laughs) I was like, yeah, sure. They kind of make sense. as two problems. They can't scale. Like, you know there's just not enough land on earth to plant trees, and then once you do, there's trees there, so you can't like easily plant m- more trees and because of climate change, there's less fertile land rather than more, so there's just like there's a hard limit on how much that can do and well, like that particular technique anyway, and the other one is that it as Sam said, they're all dodgy as fuck um and they don't actually. Down any carbon when you buy them. No. Um, and uh, <laughs> he sent me a screenshot of this bit or a photo of this bit of the book that says, I agree, this is a real concern and we have to rely on good certification. Is there a sound objection beyond that? So it was like, yeah, if it worked really well, though, it, it would, would work great. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but anyway. as Sam
0: points out, it doesn't. It was never designed to and it never will. Mm-hmm. And also, it's used as an excuse to not do anything else. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, it's actually worse. working perfectly. Yeah. And oh, right. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and just, like the, the the deeply fucking frustrating backdoor in even our even, you know, a pathetically weak carbon uh legislation that is like, "Oh, but don't do this if it's going to lose you money." Like, if yeah. you want to grow your business, like, by all means, please, admit to your heart's content. Just... <laughs> fucking yeah, it's pretty horrifying. It's just yeah. a fucking absolute joke. Anyway, thanks, cool. hey Sam. <laughs> thanks, yeah, we love it. Uh, we may have one more from Sam next week. We may not. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, but um, yeah, there may be other things in the works as well. So stay tuned for more extremely enraging discussions of Australian climate policy. Of which I believe there is no other genre, actually. Yes, so, that's yeah.
2: the only type of discussion possible.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, now it's time for...
2: Nice A-C- relieving...
0: A B. Yeah, speaking of the climate... Uh, cops are cracking down on climate activists. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really didn't think about what a one-two punch these two segments are going to be, but... Um, Australian Politics and News Podcast. So, uh, people may have heard that this week uh, the cops cracked down on Blockade Australia, who I feel like most people are probably familiar with who they are at this point. They're a a very staunch direct action climate activist group. They've done actions like shutting down uh, the Newcastle coal port with a week of disruptions. They blockaded Port Botany in Sydney. Uh, That was earlier this year. And there's been...
2: Like, tri-pole sits and... Yeah, uh, shutting down like
0: machinery, tying himself to train cranes, lines. Stopping yeah, trains, stopping yeah. trains, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Very, yeah, putting your body on the line, boots on the ground, kind of, um, you know, <laughs> putting in a capital D direct action. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's been a shitload of retaliation uh, directed at Blockade Australia in the wake of these protests already by the cops, by the legal system. Activists have been placed on correction orders that prohibit them from participating in protests. One activist was sentenced to 12 months jail by Whoa. Mark Latham's wife for oh, um, <laughs> for stopping a train. Uh, that person is out on bail and is appealing that. But sure. another uh, Blockhead Australia activist is going to serve, it looks like, four months jail for yeah, right. um, doing a, a crane sit at, so- at that Port Botany protest. Uh, and then there was also remember those fucked new laws they brought in in New South Wales in direct response to them shutting down. I like think critical it was, infrastructure. Yeah, I think walls, it was. Whatever. Yeah, Spit Bridge. I can't remember exactly what bridge it was, but yeah, New South Wales government just like basically overnight drafted new laws in response to a blockade Australia protest, introducing penalties of up to two years jail for blocking major infrastructure. I want to send a big fuck you to the Sydney Morning Herald for. Posting a an opinion piece by the minister responsible for that r- law, mm-hmm. like at the time, and the, the whole article is just her complaining about being stuck in traffic, like because somebody was blocking a bridge, and she was like, "It just made my blood boil." And the City Morning Herald is like, "Great, yes, we this should." This is legitimate
2: commentary We should publish this. Situation. this. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fucking That's outrageous. That Bevan Shields. Oh uh, yeah. Flaming take article. Yeah. Um, just.
0: Genocide Bevan, uh, right that
2: daily paper. Yep.
0: There was also that weird incident where, again, this was earlier this year, where the cops tried to like uh, arrest a blockade Australia activist uh, for posting like a joke event about celebrating the Queen's death, and they were like, "This clearly breaches the terms of his bail," and the judge was like, "This was a shit post." Um, but like the cops are sitting there on social media, like following these activists, trying to use for any them to do anything that exactly. they can hassle them about. Exactly. Yeah, it's gross. So it's like it's serious. So in the context of all this, Block at Australia have had a week of action uh, to take place in Sydney that's been planned for a while. That's supposed to start next week at time of recording, and ahead of this week of disruptions. Uh, by Blockade Australia, New South Wales cops raided Blockade Australia's campsite in the Blue Mountains uh, where, yeah, a bunch of them stay and organize, you know, and and hang out. Um, So the way this went down was in the morning, some Blockade Australia activists spotted two camouflaged people in the bush near their property who also had guns and they walked up to them and asked them who they were and what they were doing there, got no response. One of them tapped one of them on the shoulder and then this camouflaged, gun-wielding person said, we've been compromised. And then they like, got up and walked away and were picked up by a black car that sped out of the bush.
2: You can just imagine as well, Like, I mean, having spent some time with climate activists, I feel like they would have picked a combination of like soft but large people to go and be like, What's going on, guys? Uh, in as friendly and like, like, strolling over very visibly, like, they're not like creeping up. I can just no! imagine there's two guys with binoculars, like, on a ridge as like six unwashed hippies. I say it with much love, like, well, approach it. and are like, What, whatcha guys up to? Hey, guys. That's now. like. We're really 100% out and how out it here. went down. Helly jump.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so they hop into this car that sped out of the bush. And then, you know, a bunch of the blockade Australia activists surround the car and are like, who are you? What are you doing here? At which point the car speeds off hitting some of the activists. Fuck. And the cops... What the, hell? the police, descri- The police commissioner's description of this incident was, those police that were attacked by that group this morning feared for their lives. As you say, Noon, again... With all love for Blockade Australia, but if you, like see if you've actually physically seen any of their activists, like they are not threatening looking terrifying. People. yeah. They're hippies. Uh, like, staunch as who fuck hippies.
2: And like with guns. Like... <laughs> okay, so now who who is fearing for their life?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Who who had the fucking who, guns? So anyway, who ran over who with a the car? These two camouflaged gun wielding cops were made by blockade Australia activists sped off. And then by mid morning, the cops came back with like a full raid, dozens of cops, right gear, dogs, choppers, like the full it's bad King, boys yeah. to scenario. And around 40 activists were detained as part of this search. Seven of them ended up being arrested. Whoa. Um, Here's a quote from Blockade Australia's lawyer. This is complete overreach. It's clear that police came merely to provoke a reaction, and now they want to cry that they were the victims and in fear. I think that sums it up. Yep, Um, correct. So, yeah, I mean, this is interesting to me because I just think it it, it throws into such stark relief the way that government... Media, legal system, and the cops all function together to protect the interests of capital. And, you know, in this case, it's, you know, the right of people to continue to destroy the planet. Like, mm-hmm. Blockade Australia stages a disruptive action, businesses complain about hurting their bottom line the government immediately passes new laws to restrict protests and all the while cops put activists under surveillance and use all the resources at their disposal Mm -hmm. to intimidate them into submission i mean this is like you see it all operating here and this is like you know a small group we're talking like this is a camp that had 40 people in it Mm. the size of the police operation is fucking mind-boggling you know there are people going to jail for preventing a crane from loading containers onto a ship This, like, the resistance from the state here is very telling, right? Mm -hmm. And and, Sensitive
2: point. Exactly. Like, they're reacting because it's effective.
0: This is a demonstration of the effectiveness of Blockade Australia's style of direct action. You hit, you have to hit them in the wallet. That's what makes them sit up and pay attention. And... You know, they understand that and they're putting their quality of life on the line by mm, doing this shit, mm. you know. Even if you don't go to jail, you know, if you, you're living out on bail or whatever, like, there are serious consequences for this, for this stuff that several of these activists have already experienced. Yeah. And while all this is going on, the media provides cover for all of the powers involved. Government ministers get to write think pieces about Selfish protesters stopping innocent people going to work in school. Mm-hmm. They can and uh, another uh, opinion piece published by the Sydney Morning Herald around the same time was about how like oh you know I believe in in climate change and climate action, but this is just divisive and this is just splitting people, which like also gives the lie to this like ide- ideological paradox at the heart of this argument, right? Like the 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 system has to maintain that these protests are ineffective and that they don't represent the will of the people but meanwhile these activists are also so incredibly dangerous that they justify mm-hmm. like militarized cop retaliation and have to be sent to fucking jail for shutting a bridge down which i think i mean it, it just really reminds reminded me as i was researching this story of one of the uh i think is it 14 elements that umberto eco uh like breaks down that are the key elements of fascism this he wrote that article it's called uh uh, fascism which i think i haven't read it i've
2: only read his novels
0: yeah well yeah it's an article about you know what he sees as the the fundamental elements of like contemporary fascism and one is and he's a quote by by a continuing shifting of rhetorical focus, the enemies are at the same time too strong and too weak. Which, mm-hmm. like, this is just... it's That's exactly what the fuck this is.
2: Oh, man, I can't wait for Noon of the Dun Season 2 when we can talk about Quilting Point and I, I can rant about the, the Nazis and, and the Jew being the Quilting Point of their ideology. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. also just sorry, listeners, I'm, there's some extremely loud truck business going on outside. I you got no idea what the fuck it is, so my apologies if that's interfering in the recording. But.
0: It's all part of the weft and weave, the audio tapestry. The tight snack pod team. <laughs> Well-oiled yeah. machine, Noon. Well-oiled machine. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, in the past couple of days, police did a second raid on the Blockade Australia camp, so the intimidation is ongoing. This time they yep. arrested uh, an, indig- an indigenous elder. For, Gross. you know, apparently obstructing police, which is just uh-huh. like something cops can just fucking charge you Decide with. Decide that if... you did that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, ahead of this week of action, you know, if you're up in Sydney, seems like a, a a great opportunity to support these people. We want to send our solidarity to them and one way that you can support um, if you're not there physically is to donate to a fundraiser they have because obviously there's a lot of money involved with fighting mm-hmm. these spurious bullshit. yeah, Yeah uh, Coming from the cops and the legal system. So we'll put a link to their fundraiser in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have to say of, of uh, all of the ac- uh, activism that we've kind of covered on this show over the past couple of years, this is some of the... Most compelling stuff that seems to be getting the, the strongest results.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree.
0: Yeah. Fuck the oh. cops!
2: Yeah, crunch, crunch. All right, next up Potluck, where you bring the snacks. Uh, so we got this potluck a couple of weeks ago, um, but we had Travis on last week. Uh, thank you, Travis, for coming on the show. Uh, and so here is our potluck from long-term listener and uh, patron supporter Discord hanger-outer, uh, uh, Josh.
3: Hey, Snack Pack. Josh here, a.k.a. Perma Palimpsest, coming at you from Ngunnawal Country. I'm a long-time listener and friend of the show. Now... I can't speak to politics nearly as well as most of you, but there is something I feel like I can talk about – libraries and library collections. Libraries are radically free places in our capitalistic society. They are places that value you as an individual and are there just to assist you with your needs. Working in a modern public library is in many ways like working as a social worker. I've helped migrants with visa applications, seniors experiencing chronic loneliness, rough sleepers just to find food and comfort, and have even helped people who have overdosed get the Narcan that they need. Also, while a lot of our social services, like community centres and other public support structures, have been eroded, this has resulted in more pressure for libraries to fill this community need. A perfect example of this is Centrelink telling people uh, to get myGov assistance from their local library. This is also where I say that the libraries are struggling, and to please help us get more funding. You can do this by submitting feedback wherever possible, either with the libraries directly or with whatever government representative you want, and even by actually just using your local library. Now, I specifically wanted to talk to you Noon and Zach about one thing. The famed poet and billionaire, Gina Reinhardt. Unfortunately, not a single copy of her magnum opus has made its way to either the state library or the national library. I'm begging you to donate this national treasure to one. The world needs to record how she enjoyed her racist boomer memes and to preserve this knowledge for future scholars to get access to. I'm genuinely serious. I'll even offer that if you uh, still want a copy, you can send it to me and I'll digitize it for you myself. Thanks for listening to my library talk, everyone. Solidarity all. Crunch, crunch.
0: Such a fantastic suggestion, Josh. Absolutely, we are going to do that. Yeah,
2: thank you. I, I don't want this cursed object in my room a moment longer than it needs to be. But here, I'm holding it up to the microphone, listeners, in case you don't remember. Oh, sorry, I've got that. way around. Um, <laughs> jokes and joys. Gina Reinhardt's joke book, um, that we did a couple of bonus episodes reading out from. Maybe we could do another one of those sometime as well, you know, just month thought, too. That's a nice, easy, but yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll send that off for sure. That's a great idea, Josh. It's a much better idea than just letting it get rained on in my leaky shed.
0: Yeah, we'll get in touch with you about how best to donate that. The digitization offer is also very kind,
2: but to be honest, like, I would be happier if I never, like, remembered any of the contents of this book, so I don't think I desperately need it digitized. But
0: yeah, we'll we'll get in touch. No, we'll definitely, we're just going to send it away. (laughs) Uh, I think that's a, it's a very fitting, uh, very fitting end for this book. As you say, it needs to be recorded in the public domain. Gina Reinhardt's name is nowhere on the book, no. and she she clearly is trying to like distance herself from it. So whatever small we part can get we can it
2: play with a little plaque that says Gina yeah. An honestly published joke book, we or could whatever. just write
0: her name in in marker inside the front cover.
2: True, yeah, like pretend that we signed uh, that she signed it. Yeah, yeah. To Australia's foremost political nobodies <laughs> from Gina. Hope you enjoy the X-X. poems. X
0: um, and yeah. In general, uh Josh, your sentiments about libraries couldn't agree more. Big fans of libraries here on the show. Absolutely. Um and uh definitely fans of library socialism, which Josh, if you don't know about a podcast called Seriously Wrong, which you spell seriously with no vowels, and then wrong normally, they're proponents of That's and developers right. of library socialism. Yeah. Um, I reckon you would get a huge kick out of it and listener, uh can't recommend that podcast highly enough it's kind of like this but so much better smarter funnier and also more consistently relevant because it's not based on current affairs so that could be a really good if you've got a gap in your podcasting schedule post snack pod couldn't think of a better show to fill it with
2: uh i certainly agree they're great I also wrote an article about library socialism a little while ago, which one of the seriously wrong boys retweeted approvingly, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, that
0: was a real Off high point libraries. in the Snackpod uh, yeah. social media journey, wasn't it?
2: Totally, yeah. Now we can reply to Sean's tweets.
0: Finally. Yeah. <laughs> now it's All time right. for what might be our last ever Shit post of the week. Whoa. Wow.
2: I mean, we'll see about next week, but we'll see. It is time for shitpost, shitpost of, of, the of the week. And, you know, it's kind of appropriate, you know, God sh- shuts a door, he opens a window, you know, <laughs> we're going to stop audibly describing visual memes. But now, a wonderful new technology has, you know, arisen where you can describe memes and receive them visually. Um,. <laughs> Obviously, everyone knows about Dally Mini, the, like, AI image generator. It's, like, slightly played out now. But I think that's going to continue to be a staple of internet culture for years to come. It's too good. It's too good and too convenient. And, yeah. Anyway, so we thought we'd uh, just do a little roundup of some of the uh, Dally posts that have been in OzPol shitposting. Um, There's been a bunch of really good ones, starting with this one from Aaron James, who uh, did Cookie Monster in the Australian Senate. (laughs) And... It's one of the best dallies I've seen. It especially is. the one down the front bottom where there's like two other little cookie monsters that look like they're like, That's there's just great. like, they're at the cookie monster party and two of them are sitting down and one's risen to speak.
0: The one in the top right seems pretty clearly to have what used to be Peter Dutton in the background sort of morphed into. Uh, <laughs> I do
2: like the artifact faces. The, in dally. I love
0: it all. Every single mouth is screaming in dally generations, and every single eye is like a horrible black hole. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, uh, the nightmarish quality of these is great, but this is really good. Cocky, cookie Monster, Cookie Monster, Cookie Monster in the Australian Senate is one of those great dally prompts where it's like. You need a recognizable character in easily generatable place. Yep. And but then it and has so to come it together. Really looks
2: like the Australian said it. Yeah. Just kind of glanced at it. They nailed but, it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great job. What um, else? Uh, what What other Dally, genera- Dally generated images came up on a couple from
2: friend confidant and friend of the show Perno who did Adam Bant uh, naked riding a dolphin, <laughs> uh, which has got this kind of like nice. Like watercolor line art sort of vibe. I do. Um, I am
0: enjoying the kind of animated style. I wouldn't say it's recognizably
2: Adam Bant, but there's definite dolphin writing happening.
0: Yeah. And I would say that knowing that it's Adam Bant, you can see that the vibe works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Also from Perno, we've got Peter Dutton as a Simpsons character with something. I don't know what, what that ends up with, but that one's pretty good uh top left especially really looks like him yeah the others it just looks like homer but in a black suit with a tie um <laughs> which is like kind of what peter dutton looks like i guess
0: yeah that's actually yeah i mean he's eminently parodiable in a physical sense i'm also enjoying in the top left panel there next to the quite good peter dutton is a kind of homer marge like ungodly oh, merging
2: like an adult bot to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> no well i think we're starting I'm getting into the hair splitting areas it's not quite that <laughs> yeah yeah
2: uh we've got uh an onion eating tony abbott which is one that you did and i actually ran through like maybe like eight to ten var- variations of like trying to get a better result onion consuming tony abbott <laughs> an onion outside tony abbott Abbott within an onion, but it just didn't. Like, no,
0: it's, yeah, it struggled with the problem. This, yeah, I did get one fairly good result. Where, like, he definitely looks like he's being bitten on the face by this onion. Yeah. Like, yeah, Again, mouth and eyes screaming black holes. <laughs>
2: uh, James Sheaves did two good ones. Peter Dutton, Dark Lord of the Sith, which <laughs> does exactly what it says on the tin. I mean, a lot of them he's got his face covered, which is probably a good call. Um, and then the other is Bob Catter wrestling a crocodile. And in every single one of the- uh no, no. Eight out of the nine, he is- It's Bob Catter it's wrestling a crocodile. 100% a good one it. where he's, like, kind of pointing at the crocodile- as if to say, like, oh, look, I got this guy. Or, like, you know.
0: I love you know. The, this one second on the top row where he's, like, he kind of looks like he's flexing the camera, like he's about to, like, he's in the fucking <laughs> Wrestlemania and he's <laughs> about to, yeah, go and, like, give the crocodile the people's elbow. I know the name of wrestling moves, see?
2: One there, where he's in the water, where it looks almost like he's cocking the alligator like, <laughs> like a, a shotgun. Yeah.
0: It's also yeah. important to note that all of the crocodiles look extremely fucked up.
2: <laughs> yes, as to the Bobcatters, of yeah. course. Some of them with hats, some without, but all, again, all recognizably him. Yeah. And, and you know, this, one one, like, this
0: is very appropriate, this last it one. Is.
2: Yeah, nice one on which to end the segment. Thomas Belchford, uh put in Howard, uh, John Howard DJs like a mad cunt. And there's several images of John Howard in what looks like a room that could be there could be a party in it. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> it does look kind of like, like a quip. shitty I mean, function being put on by a political party. Like the blue like, curtains and stuff like that, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, it does yeah. look like a gig that DJ Albo would play at.
2: It, absolutely. Yeah. Only one of them really kinda like is howard DJing like a mad cunt, I think. But like it's it's pretty good. it's it's, uh, it's on its way. The AIs I reckon that, they're taking over. It'll be fine. Yeah,
0: 100%. Come back to Delhi in like a year, and that's going to be super crisp.
2: I'm signed up for the beater of Delhi too.
0: <laughs> All right. Staying ahead of the meme trends.
2: Okay. Well, you know, Zach, I heard that if you want to podcast, you got to do a lot of shit that you might not want to do, but you've still got to do that shit. So, one last time, you want to hit that
0: business thing? Yes.
2: If you want a podcast,
0: you got to do a lot of shit. it's not
2: technically podcasting.
0: You still got to do that shit.
2: Don't follow us on social media. There's no point. Uh, don't tell your friends about it. They'll be disappointed. be like, your wow, account. This show's great and it's going to stop next week. Um, uh, do send us in potlucks for next potlucks week. Potlucks for if you, next week. Last if you chance. Be on the show is your last chance. Get your Um, one minute
0: of audio heard by up to 1,000 people.
2: (laughs) uh, If you are a $6.90 or above patron, give us suggestions for our last ever bonus app in the Discord Ask Questions Or even if you're not, even if you're just a regular patron, we don't care. Whatever, we don't care anymore.
0: It's a fucking free-for-all. Yeah, This is a Um, demolition party, but for a podcast. Come and help us destroy our last episode.
2: Answer every single one of the questions. So... You know, I'll get last in while the going's day. good.
0: Yeah, and the going else? is good. Are um, oh, we?
2: We are going to have an episode next week, so don't worry. Like, this is not the end of no, the show. This is just like we're week... not going to have a business segment because fuck that, right? No, and um, season
0: but... two of uh, Noon and the Dunce is going to happen at some point. Uh, we might have... do some snack
2: tube, possibly not promising, but that's a, an idea that we're like kicking yes, around.
0: We have also uh, at our shadowy financier tier on Patreon. On Patreon uh, uh, the people of that tier can s- uh, suggest us a topic for an episode, and we have to make it, and we haven't done any of those yet, so we've got at least one possibly three of those coming your way as well. If you are a shadowy financier and you haven't given us an idea for an episode, please please get in it. touch yeah, we're trying to reach you um,
2: and yeah, you know fuck it, if you want to make a podcast with me i'm I'm pretty available. Zach's the one who's got eight and a half days worth of commitments each week so like <laughs> I, I i'm around uh if you if you want to make a podcast with me fucking shoot me a message yeah we'll be on discord Ospol shit posting is gonna continue i might post more enthusiastically now that i don't have to do this every week you know like we'll be around tag us yeah i don't have an actual twitter so i imagine that's gonna keep going a bit um yeah hit us up that's and right that's it
0: well now now that that not-business section is out of the way...
1: <laughs> now it's time
0: for a this is actually the rare episode where Dante has calmly laid on his little bed under my yeah, wow. desk for almost the entire episode. He did.
2: I didn't even realize he was there.
0: Yeah, he did headbutt the door open at one point, which I'm sure is on the recording uh, for eagle-eared listeners. But yeah, he's just passed out, you know... He's got such a sort of fetal energy when he's like really in deep sleep, and maybe it's because his dog bed is like you know it's kind of like a big fluffy donut,
2: and he right so it kind of like forces him to be in a certain yeah configuration. I mean, there's a
0: certain ovular. Energy to the bed and Dante in it, and all his like paws, all four paws are in the, the exact same spot, all in know? a line. Yeah, yeah, just sort of like, well, they're all piled like, up, all like in a little package there, little heap. So he's, yeah, he's looking I love adorable. The pile of paws. Um. Yeah. What can I say about Dante this week? Uh. Well, yeah, he learned his new trick last week, and he's mm-hmm. getting slowly, slightly less resentful about doing it, which is a plus. Great. Um. He's had a pretty good week. Uh, No major incidents on walks, as far as I know. He didn't eat any dead animals. Uh, He hasn't gotten into the bins because we've developed a new leaving Dante at home alone strategy. Nice. um, Which involves putting him in a room in which there are no bins, which would have seemed... Seems, in, th- in hindsight, kind of like an obvious thing.
2: <laughs> Look, you <laughs> always want to hope that there's a gentler solution, but sometimes there's just got to be no bin access yeah, for no bin disaster. That's, you know, right. that's...
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah, and he hasn't fucked up that arrangement yet, uh, but give him time. Give him time, of which he's got plenty. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's sleeping like a little angel right now, and um, hopefully we will continue to do so for most of the rest of the day. That's my uh-huh. pup date.
2: Well, Bagel here, you wanted to say something, didn't you, mister? You do you want to just um, pass that on to the listeners now? Yeah. Can you hear that? Go on, Bagel. Walk. <laughs> yep. What was that, mister? You want to you wanna tell the people?
0: Oh, very good very good good boy
2: thank you yeah so there you have it listeners i mean straight from bagel's mouth now he's been really good recently um i think i mentioned last time we did a really good training session with gus the uh the kelpie the underbite um and we're going to try and do some more of that sometime soon um yeah i've just been feeling like reasonably good about the training we've been doing a lot of uh counter conditioning and desensitization up at the dog park and yeah, he like, it's super cute. Every time we go past, he's like, no, I don't want to walk away. I want to go inside. And then a dog comes up and he's like, I'll rip you limb from limb. And I'm like, see, that's why I don't <laughs> trust you when you say you want to go in. You want to go in.
0: But you want to go in in order to cause be an agent of police. chaos.
2: No, I want to play. Look at all of my friends. They're so peaceful. How come when I arrive, everybody starts dying? <laughs> um, yeah, no, but anyway, uh, I'm, I'm really pretty good about it, Sam. Um, so. That's good. Um, hopefully we can get some progress, Mr. Yeah. A couple of good, good
0: little one. naughty anxious boys. Absolutely. Doing their naughty anxiety thing. Correct. And also being sweet little perfect angels. It's true. Just well, like all of us. Thanks very much for tuning in, everybody. Especially for the last three years. Being yeah, being with us the whole time. I mean, fucking hell. What a slog for you, listener. I mean, you know, that's a lot of like Ooh, like, I get sick of my voice, but Jesus. Um, yeah, but send us stuff in for the last episode. If yeah, we really you like If there's anything you want to say to us, or the pe- the listeners, or just something mm-hmm. about a political issue, just whatever. A song, you know, a poem, maybe.
2: An interpretive dance that you then describe. In Perfect. words, Perfect less than a minute, please, medium. especially for interpretive dance descriptions, so, yeah. but all of them. Send but- us
0: something in and help us um, celebrate and commiserate uh, the end of this chapter in the Snack Pod story. As I mm-hmm. say, we've, we're going to be putting out little bits and pieces of content over the next couple f- months. So totally, you yeah, haven't yeah. heard The Last of Us even after next week. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week for our celebratory episode 151. Uh, last ever weekly snack pod for the time being Uh, and until then make sure that you keep snacking in the free world
2: so that's it after three years so long good luck crunch crunch I don't recall saying crunch, crunch
1: crunch crunch crunch